I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Cut it out. Chocolate! It doesn't say anything about a chocolate, does it? No. No, it doesn't. Sure it doesn't. So fuck off! My boy says he can eat 50 eggs, he can eat 50 eggs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not gonna take this anymore! You're certifiable, Quint, you know that? You're certifiable! Hello, Dimitri. Listen, I, I can't hear too well. Do you suppose you could turn the music down just a little? Oh, that's much better. Hello and welcome to another Spool podcast with me, Nigel Weekly, and him, Pork McYo. Hello. This month, it's a look back at the films everyone is talking about right now. Patterson, Allied, Bad Santa 2, Nocturnal Animals, Arrival, and Fantastic Beasts. And we'll also be looking towards some of the December films that have caught our eye. And, of course, a quick preview of the festive... Did you bring the sleigh bells? Can we give it festive... Jinga, 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 jinga. No. Anyway, mm-hmm. festive films that are going to be playing around Dublin. First up, here's a little bit of music. When a cop put him over to the side of the road Just like the time before and the time before that In Patterson, that's just the way things go If you're black, you might as well not show up on the street Unless you want to draw the heat little bit of Bob Dylan Hurricane there, a song... Nobel based, Laureate. Absolutely. Not attending next week. Not but attending. a song based about a man from the town of... Patterson. In New Jersey. Uh, the new film from Jim Jarmusch came out uh, last Friday or a couple of weeks ago, depending when you listened to this, or maybe last year. Um, so it stars Adam Driver, big Adam Driver fans. Uh, as I was saying at work today, you know the guy from Girls or Star Wars, uh, which is still kind of weird. Um is a guy called Patterson who drives a bus, which I think is why Nigel had a special mm. affection for this. Well, Mr. Driver is playing bus driver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's nice. Uh, and not too many characters in it. He has a girlfriend called Laura who's played by uh, Goldshifta Farima. And um, they're kind of the two main characters. They are. The film opens every day and we see them from above in bed. Uh, in a seven day kicks off on a Monday does it? yeah and then ends on the Monday and kind of that's it so it's nice one week long as I said directed by Jim Jarmusch so we see them go about their day and it's more so Adam is a budding poet there's an off shot at some point where we see him in a military uniform so he's obviously done some service and I think Adam Driver actually spent time in the Marines yes uh, so he's kind of I'd wonder if that was an initial thing or if he was like oh maybe we'll have him as a marine guy it's a little nod they don't they don't say he's a marine no. like he doesn't have that weird he doesn't go AWOL or anything yeah. yeah certainly not in what we see here and it's just he wakes up he has his little military portrait on the mm. bedside table so he's a budding poet and uh, he carries this notebook around and he's writing down he's scribbling down his notes and they come up as like subtitles as he voices over them and reads them on the, the screen and um which i kind of enjoyed i was analyzing to work out if it was a handwritten thing um but it's not they did get a font and i want to email the people who made the film just to work out if what is the font whether they got adam driver to do because they do this sometimes with films like they get the person to write out a to z on a in a notebook and then some designers convert that into an actual font which would be great if you're doing christmas cards yeah or if you're a politician and you want to write handwritten notes i'm doing the inverted comma thing okay anyway yes so he reads poems and it's Uh, so it's then his day and it's kind of very repetitive but um, 
I'm going to play a small clip here. It'll give you a wee bit of the tone. He visits this. He has a dog. They have a dog called Marvin, who's a very much character in the film. And he brings the dog for a walk every night and basically leaves it outside a bar while he goes into the bar and has maybe like one or two beers. He's the only white person in this bar. And uh, I don't know if it's in a rough part of town because you never see where ghosts or anything. So there's all these kind of different characters. Uh, the bar owner is played by Doc, who's Barry Shabala Henley. And, um, what do I know him from? Yeah, it was just, just stuff. Yeah, just kind of like he's a solid kind of character actor. Um, I couldn't think off the top of my head. And the guy, we have a clip here of Adam Driver talking to a character called Everett. Uh, just about love. And I kind of think it gives you a good flavour for the film. Man, what would you do? You love somebody more than anything in the whole damn world. You worship her. You don't want to be alive without her, and she says she doesn't want you. You're just dirt. Damn, brother. You should be an actor. Yeah, so there we have it. Um, all takes part in a bar. And so the bar is the main... So there's kind of like three like sets, if you want. You've got their home. And uh, Patterson's wife kind of is an interior designer, wannabe kind of uh, folk singer, wannabe. And she makes these cupcakes and goes away. And it's funny because for a while in the film, I was like, I wonder when this is set. And like I knew Nigel had seen this film before me. Um, didn't know what he'd given it. Uh and it was funny because I was thinking, I was like, there's a time when he doesn't use a phone for ages. And I know this is kind of a hang up of yours, but they explain it during the film. And I was just like, oh, that's brilliant uh, to get that. And you don't know what time it is. And then there was this like, then suddenly she has a Jeep and you're like, oh, right. OK, cool. They're actually kind of well off because the inside of the house is very like a 1950s house. Yeah. And furniture, the like the design, mm. even the chairs. Uh, everything. Yeah. And he's driving this kind of beat up bus. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I really loved it. it. It was a slow burner for me. Like at the start, you're kind of like yeah okay and uh, but it just kind of slowly unfolds itself it becomes this really rich film it's a really like slow pace you know it's the guts of two hours didn't really drag just kind of unfurls itself and really really loved it yeah it it is like as you mentioned um, it, again you can't really do too much with spoilers you might dip in on it but there's very little threat in the film which is sort of nice like that when he's going into the bar one night this gang of hoodlums kind of pulls up in a low rider with their kind of are they the bloods the, the, kind the red, of red ones yeah yeah and so they're like hey mister what kind of dog you got there and he's like oh there's really you know that's really in demand that dog and you're you're kind of thinking that uh okay obviously the dog's gonna be robbed or murdered mm. or something but and he's a very affable thing away it's yeah. like, it's not like they, they don't want it and yeah to, and i don't know if it's just like you you're kind of looking into stuff like there's times and stuff where um, Scrooby's Pip has a song where he's talking he's doing this different rap and he has a song just if a, if a guy is talking to a child doesn't make him a paedophile like there's certain elements in the film where you're just like he, but he's just a really nice guy and he's very caring and concerned about people but there's that thing in the back of your head where you're like oh if this was a different film this would be turn into American Psycho and yeah. he would yeah he would mm. kind of flip but no there's none of that I I found um 
because yeah so just i i did give it i think i gave it five out of five it just really really clicked mm. with me loads of stuff you mentioned the phone thing you it takes 10 minutes of watching the film to work out that it is the present day because it opens up his watch is all re- like a real analog vintage kind of style he doesn't have an alarm clock which i like and he then gets up and he eats his little cheerios it's in a kind of contemporary bowl but you're not really sure mm. where, when it could be set and he then sets off on his walk and lunch he's in box very is really old dist- yeah his lunchbox is kind of like the flask i got so the flask that sits into the roof of it ah uh, yeah it's this stanley kind of hard-working uh set of stuff so and um, that and he's obsessed with matches there's a little poem sequence where he write, talks about ohio blue tip matches and he 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 i don't know what that where that came from i think they said that there is a poet um who a lot of the poems came from and then William Carlos Williams no, no there's some other oh. slightly less uh, I'd never heard of the guy not that I know anything about mm. William Carlos Williams or Carlos William Carlos. Williams <laughs> yeah uh, but no some other New York school poet who, who contributed the the poems except for the one that the 10 year old girl writes Jim Jarmusch wrote that himself ah so, cool so I like that and um, it has lots of Jarmusch kind of quirks and stuff where like he meets a lot of twins and you're kind yeah, of like what's the story with the twins I just wonder if that's like on a biggest level the duality of people like you know we're all yeah. like, two people were private because he's like the bus driver but really he's like a poet and yeah and they lay, they sowed the seed early on in the film when um what's his g- girlfriend's character his Laura the, Laura yeah sorry Laura mentions I had a dream last night that we had twins and you assume that this will yeah. will lead or to maybe something. he had a twin brother who died in war maybe yeah. the brother is you know because there's a lot of this that's unanswered and there's a hilarious joke with I won't give it away with the post box yeah that's a real slow burner and the payoff for that is fantastic yeah um, really kind of like it is if you like Jarmusch stuff I think you like it his last film was Only Lovers Left Alive which I I had forgotten loved. that I was kind of mm. thinking I was like god I haven't seen anything from him in a long time but then I was thinking back on Only Lovers Left Alive like there's no real that's all in Detroit isn't it and mm-hmm. Detroit comes across a really safe happy sort of place yeah um, Patterson apparently is not a safe or happy place like we played the bit of the Bob Dylan song but um, it's quite dangerous it's a lot of uh, gang crime mm. and stuff like that but this is a lovely happy version of it like you can leave your expensive dog yeah. outside a bar uh, you just drive the bus and everyone is really friendly because mm. I realised then that he was the only white guy in the bar and then I was like is everyone is he the only white guy in this film but then there were other yeah. that I, have, I have some uh, weird academic uh, readings of the whole thing um, I, I came up with the idea that uh, and I haven't come up with I haven't seen this anywhere else but that possibly his girlfriend is imagined because of her um, whole focus is on uh, black and white stuff and that she gets more and more into black and white through the film so it becomes clearer and clearer and it's only his sort of enlightenment as a poet which eventually then at the end he gets the concluding part is very little in, in way of plot but at the end he has a complete rebirth as an artist if you or as a poet because he oh, starts okay. from scratch and mm. like he, that's as a result of her so that's one of the readings I have and I also think that if people who've seen this will know what I'm talking about but the the result of that the incident in act three Mm. um Carol actually came up with this theory but that perhaps that was his own cleaning the decks kind of deliberate thing in terms of because oh, yeah. he left, it looked he left very, something out yeah. the way it was sort of staged and the way she was kind of pressing him to be like yeah. you gotta go and do that you promised and he's like yeah okay yeah so was that a deliberate okay, sort of thing so yeah, yeah. two of my little readings are I quite like the imagined one I'll leave that with you anyone who's seen yeah. the film view it as that that uh, mm. the girlfriend character is completely made up yeah. um, and that this is just his process as an as an artist she's only like his uh, his imaginary muse but 
Anyway, can't recommend Patterson enough. It's probably, hopefully, going to be the film that gets Adam Driver uh, some awards recommendation. We just looked at the Silence trailer, the Martin Scorsese film, which is out. Uh, also stars New Driver. New Year's Day, yeah. Mm-hmm. So Adam Driver is in it as a. He's not playing a bus driver. He's playing a Jesuit priest. He's lost loads of weight in it. Just like a Jedi, sure. He could have drawn just so like... much from his Jedi experience. Yeah. So it. He's very much in vogue. At the moment. Mm. And also the final series of Girls is going to be coming our way in January, February. Last year, six episodes of it, cool. I think. So he is the man of the moment. You'd hope that he can win some Oscar love, but who knows. It's gotten a lot of good love by the critics, so hopefully it kind of... Yeah. Um, what, did, do, what do you give it out of five? I'd give it five. Yeah. We do yeah. the five high five? Yay. That's an actual audio sound of us doing a high five. Um, all right, so... Next up is Allied. So this is a film I also saw last week. And until I saw Patterson, I was wondering, was I in a sort of like place where nothing was going to click properly with me? But Never going to see a good film yeah, again. Yeah, I was like, am I doomed? Am I doomed? What's what's wrong here? But thankfully, Patterson cleaned the decks of that. So I saw uh, Allied last week. Um, it is Robert Zemeckis's latest. And it's sort of his homage to war films and kind of post-war studio film. It feels like a real, I don't even know what that means, but like a real studio film. It's done by Paramount. And it feels like this could have been done about 30 years ago. It features two, probably of the kind of, if you were writing down a list of the top 10 Hollywood stars who you'd pair up in a kind of old style romantic war story like this, Mm. um, directed by who, like... Richard Attenborough or something I don't know you would put yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt and Marion uh-huh. Cotillard um, so they Brad Pitt plays Max who's a Canadian secret agent and uh, Marion Cotillard plays what's her name Marianne Beaujolais um, who's a French clearly a spy yeah French spy I, but, but anyway they're they're brought together by the kind of allied forces so resistance and a, and a British intelligence person uh, who work together they, they're set up in Casablanca and they do the job they do an assassination but they then fall in love, la 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 la, go back to England, have a baby, but then all of a sudden, shock horror, is she a spy? So here's a quick clip just to show the absolute lack of chemistry between the two leads of them having a chat on the roof in Casablanca about what that's like. Also, the fact, why would you put your film in Casablanca if you, like, that's a fair was aim it, was, and very yeah, high. Was there any nods to it at all? Well, it's sort of, I read somewhere that it was sort of like plot wise, because the film Act One is there, like it's sort of a flip, like a reverse to it. But there's a lot, like in terms of the oh, like okay. planes and things, there's a lot of subtle little nods to it and it doesn't deserve it anyway. But here's a clip of the two of them chatting. So that kind of gives you a sense of mm. the thing. Her, her accent, a bit weird. Yeah, but odd. I saw the trailer for this and I couldn't make the screen and, and uh, it was the kind of thing you're watching. I was like, couldn't give a monkeys about mm-hmm. this. I just know by watching the trailer, I don't care. Yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted to like it because I do, like I have so much time for Brad Pitt, but he is so bored in this. You can just tell he has no interest sure, in the Sure, he's probably film. stoned off set the whole time. Stoned and just... Beating kids. yeah. Uh, libel we don't mean that that's speculation um and so I, I, just, I just don't know it just really annoyed me a lot there's loads in it 
and lots of people I'm not like every other review of this apart from I'm pretty sure the New York Times whoever reviewed it for them gave it a critics pick thing and like a glowing kind of review and I'd read that the day after and I was like am I maybe I'm just wrong maybe it didn't click but since then the, I think the American audiences have clicked a bit more with it than the more savvy because English they're all stupid. I think they're all stupid and no they're offense, just reeling Ellie. they're just reeling from the from the Trump thing and they're just like oh this is wonderful but I don't know. Um, I, there's no real point. I just don't think you should should see it. There, there is one r- you give it? ridiculous okay, scene. Yeah. I think I actually landed because after the Casablanca thing, when they do that revelation, the last forty five minutes is actually fine. So I landed down on like a two star film, maybe two and a half. Mm. Um, and I did, I do think it means well. Like you know, Robert Zemeckis has a few tricks up his sleeve, and I don't blame him for it. It's more so Brad Pitt just didn't care and script is just like did he eat loads of food during the film there's there's not much there are dinner scenes of him there okay yeah of course it's part of his contract mm, yeah gotta be well fed um yeah but he doesn't and it even looks like he his hair is a bad kind of dye job and he's just the role is not right for him he's too old for it so okay. one to avoid also one to avoid who knew did you know that there was a, a bad santa 2 coming out walking up camden street saw flyer bad santa 2 and i was yeah. like what yeah when what? did that happen oh. i saw it on the side of a bus and just sort of said what and like we used to be on top of this so yeah <laughs> lost a bit of respect for billy bob but then yeah. it was like maybe it's going to be amazing by all accounts it's, it's the worst film ever well maybe it's not complete but. shite yeah. yeah hugely hugely disappointing um it's obviously 13 years since the first Bad Santa. The first Bad Santa has gained this cult status. And maybe it's just because the era, we were both in college. It became one of those things like Shaun of the Dead. Um, and I don't know what, maybe sort of like Elf or Anchorman of a certain era. Like these kind of things that you probably had it on DVD and you fired it on. You know, you'd be home from the pub late and you'd be like, Ash, we'll throw on Bad Santa and you watch it. And may, and maybe I'm wrong on that. Like it's part of the lighthouses. Oh, no, talking about it. Yeah. Naughty or nice program of Christmas films. So it does have a certain reverence, I think, but this has sort of zonked it out. So different director and writer, Billy Bob Returns, um, some of the other additions then. They've, Bernie Mac is not in this, obviously, because yeah, he's, he's dead. deceased. But they have Kathy Bates and uh, Christina Hendricks. Kathy Bates plays uh, Willie's, Willie being Billy Bob Thornton's uh, mother. And she's actually quite good in it. Like, you know, you mm. you feel like she is trying her best to sort of do it and having a bit of fun with it but everyone else is just blah and the story is atrocious I don't remember the first one being that sort of gross out horrible ridiculous insulting kind of racist oh, okay. sizest uh, anti-gay anti-everything kind of humour and maybe it does have that but mm. I don't think so I think it wasn't as mean-spirited as this so yeah. there's no laughs the worst part about it um, well no they're actually Maybe there's one or two laughs. We'll close out the review with the one bit that might make you smile. Okay, with the kind of sitting on the thing. But the worst part of it that I feel worse about is that uh, the kid, uh, played by Brett Kelly, Thurman Merman, who was like eight, is in it. And he hasn't really done much acting since. And he is terrible. Not one of his jokes land. And you're just there going, I feel really bad for you. Like, this is terrible. You're still kind of heavy and silly looking I have a picture of him here if you want oh yeah I saw him on the poster and I was like oh yeah he got the thing yeah Yeah, so I just like Mm. just really really disappointing Um, 
Okay. I'm still reeling from this. This yeah. was like a one star film. Jesus. So really, or one and a half maybe. Kathy Bates nearly elevates it up there. So we'll just close out the thing. This is pro- This is the bit, this is a publicly released slip. This is the only bit that made me smile. There were no laughs, but this is the bit. Uh, Willie is back in the Santa chair just talking to some kids. They don't do enough of this. They're all about kind of retreading it because they want, they're doing a new uh, heist job on a charity, blah, 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 blah. Um, but this is them sitting on a chair and it's moderately funny. Or right, we'll see what you think. What can I do for you? Will you be able to find me at my grandma's house in Grand Rapids? Because no one's going to be at our Chicago house for two weeks. Oh, yeah, don't worry, I'll find you. But hey, do Sandy a favor, will you? You know the address of where you're not going to be? Write it down on a piece of paper and bring it back to Sandy, will you? All right, honey, good girl. What can I get you? A stuffed cat that moves but doesn't poop some duct tape so I can build a boat. What? A stuffed cat that moves but doesn't poop some duct tape so I can build a boat. Okay. Have a seat. What can Santa Claus get you? A penguin. It doesn't have to be alive. You're laughing. Like yeah, that, I kind of laughed at the end. There, but yeah. that's more like a little, like a montage vignette that has nothing to do with the whole film. So, anyway, yeah. that's about the only bit that will oh, well. a smile. So, uh, avoid, avoid, avoid. Go and see Bad Santa or watch it on DVD or yeah. Netflix presumably it's or go see Patterson for a second time yeah. uh, so we're going to do an Amy Adams double bill here we're kind of going back to the start of the month and um, there a, qu- was a quick nod because we did mm. preview them both uh, so she was in Arrival and Nocturnal Animals I'll go with Nocturnal Animals first because it was kind of more my more favourite of the two uh, it's directed by Tom Ford who did uh, A Single Man back in 2009 the film I think Colin Firth should have won the Oscar for instead of um, A King's Speech but it was obviously too you know just because you're a Republican and you don't like stories about the royal family. Yeah. <laughs> True. Uh, so Amy Adams plays uh, Susan. She's like an art um, or she's like a gallery owner curator. Uh, there's like an interesting montage at the start of the film where there's some very large women who are dancing and you kind of don't really know what's going on. And then it's an, an art exhibition. Uh, she's married to uh, Army Hammer, who's what? Zorro? Uh, and Sir- The no. twins in the social network. Oh, okay. Uh, but yeah, he was in. Uh, Maybe he played the Lone Ranger. Did he? Yeah, he did. Yeah. <laughs> Tonto. So, uh, <laughs> was yeah. Like, Who was he in that? Sorry, Sorry the Lone Ranger. Yeah, because Johnny yeah. Depp did not play. So he's just Ranger. a big kind of chiseled meathead. He's her husband. There's kind of some issues going on there. And then uh, she's kind of at home one day, gets a parcel in the mail. It's a book. And it's a book written by an ex of hers, her ex husband. And the book is called Nocturnal Animals. And she's like, she opens it and it's dedicated to her. So then we kind of cut. And, what, and it's like 20, is it 20 years or something? Have passed since they were Yeah, because then years, so. over the course of, like she starts reading the book and then we delve into the book. So you've kind of got this other parallel story. And then you have flashbacks to when she was going out with Jake uh, Gyllenhaal. So Jake Gyllenhaal plays two characters. He plays Tony, which is the fictional character in the novel. And then he plays Edward, who was Amy Adams' like ex-husband. Yeah. But um, the book is obviously kind of uh, like a revenge, two fingers to Amy Adams. And uh, Elsa Fisher plays her in the novel version. Sasha Baron Cohen's uh, wife. Yeah, wife. Um, and Shannon from Home and Away, for anyone who Oh, yeah. So then in the novel version, we have the character of um, Bobby. He's uh, like a sheriff and that's played by Michael Shannon, who is fantastic. And uh, we're just going to play a clip. There's a small clip here of Michael Shannon as the um, detective who is involved in the story. He's just investigating a crime that's happened to Jake Gyllenhaal. 
What you got to say about this man's wife and daughter? I don't know nothing about that. I've never seen him before in my life. What you gonna tell me about Rain Turk? Who? Who? What are you, an owl? You an owl, Lou? I never heard of him. You never heard of him? No, sir. Classic uh, Michael Shannon there. Um, so, yeah, it's a really it's a really tense film um, because there's an incident that happens in the novel uh, involving Aaron Taylor Johnson that kind of got held up on the road. Yeah, they kind of get held up on the road and there's a bit yeah, of kidnapping and stuff. It's a ridiculously tense scene. Probably Insanely. the best side of the road yeah. hostage thing. Because I don't even know how long it went on. This is yeah. a couple of weeks since we've seen it, but it felt like... Like I was kind of gripping the chair, minutes. wanted to scratch my face off because you're instantly putting yourself in Jake Gyllenhaal's position to be yeah. like I'm like why are you doing that why did you get out of the car yeah. why aren't you driving off now why don't yeah. you just smash his head in with a tyre iron yeah and and there's no mobile phone coverage yeah even I, though how do they have a phone so there was no coverage though uh, it was out in the middle of nowhere and like you have that scene when Michael Shannon first talks to Jake Gyllenhaal novel character being like they didn't have a gun and he's like no like so it's kind of like it's a it's a real kind of an examination of masculinity and like relationships um, it's a, just a really good story really dense great characters in it I thought there's an, an amazing cameo by it's not is it not Laura Linney it's the one from Twister the it female is. from Twister Laura Dern Laura Dern oh I can't remember yes. anyway she plays uh, Amy Adams' mother in it and it's almost like this East of Eden no you um kind of thing where she's like you're not going to marry this guy and uh, she's really this real southern kind of you know old money and you can't do this and he's going to be like this so uh, I thought she was fantastic in it really great characters really tense good storytelling Ending- you, you were right according to our researcher just been handed a, a small post-it uh, no, no card it was Laura Linney ah yeah. brilliant we should not get our Laura's confused yeah. we shouldn't question ourselves we should stick to her um, the ending is a slight bit of like Really, that, that that's it. That's your kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, but it sticks with you, doesn't but it? But it does kind of. You're just and it's a bit the like, perfect sort of ending. Like yeah. it's a revenge story and the ultimate act of yeah. revenge. And not even revenge, more like a big giant fuck you. Yeah, yeah. It's what kind of wraps it up. So, mm. um, do you dig it or? Yes, definitely. I, I again, like we say, it's been a couple of weeks, but a lot of people's fun in in work and just talking to people. A lot of people have gone to see this and it alongside Arrival as well, and it's fun to just ask them which they of mm. the of the Amy Adams. Uh, double bill which they sort of preferred so um, yeah I'd be up in the I loved it like everything mm. about it and it did it really really stuck with me to the point of and the different timelines like to, yeah. it really gets into your head and they do it so well I think yeah it all, it's all just seamless like yeah and I'd happily go and see it uh, again yeah, which is the definitely. ultimate thing and kind of people would wonder like Tom Ford is very much about style but it's certainly not style over yeah. substance like it's not neon I've heard, exactly there's been so much talk about that no it has a phenomenal as a piece of screenwriting as well, the way the different narratives are kind of looped together and yet you know at every point mm. which story you're in is, yeah. is masterful. Like, yeah. brilliant. So. so then the second film, Arrival, by our um, Dennis Villeneuve. Denis. Denis. I Denis, heard Amy, Denis. A- an Amy Adams uh, interview and she was almost like she was doing it deliberately, but she just kept saying, working with Denis. Oh, cool. Uh, Denis, Denis. That's like when... Um, 
what do people call Robert De Niro? Do they call do his friends call him Bobby? You know, it's like mm. working with Bob, and you're like, oh. um, so well, he yeah. is French Canadian, and if he calls himself Denis, that's okay. But okay, yeah, grand. Um, so I'm sure people have seen now, but if they haven't, Arrival, um, aliens land on Earth. These big spaceships. Amy Adams is a linguist. Linguist, sort and uh, <laughs> just going to make a very rude joke there. I won't. Um, She's a linguist and she, the cops and all the feds and the FBI come to her and be like, here, we need you to come and decipher what the aliens are saying because we don't really know what's going on. And she's like, yeah, okay, um, I'll do that. There's a weird, now I'm going to get into spoilers in this because it's been out for a while. That's okay, yeah, but if you for some reason haven't seen Arrival. So you can kind of maybe turn off for the next couple of minutes. Skip two minutes ahead, yeah. So there's, there's another dual timeline in this kind of, you think, like you think at the start of the film that Amy Adams has suffered a bereavement. And she's very lonely and kind of sad. And then as the film goes on, there's keep being these flashbacks that you think, but they're really flash forwards to uh, Jeremy Renner. Can I, can I just yeah. play the sound effect from Lost? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so um, Jeremy Renner is in it. Uh, he plays a mathematician. So they have the linguist and then the mathematician because like maths is the international language and all that nonsense. Um, and Forrest Whitaker is the colonel. So they're kind of your core group. And uh, there is some really cool stuff in it. Like, I think the way they deal with the aliens, although when the aliens kind of, you see them first, I'm like, oh, it's Kodos and Kang from The Simpsons. I was just like, "Mm, okay. Um, There's a weird thing where it tries to be blown up by, you know... Some trigger-happy kind of... Which is kind of straight out of uh, Contact, the Jodie Foster film and Matthew McConaughey. There's a weird thing at the end so you, you kind of realise at some point what you thought was the past isn't the past it's the future and decisions are made and people are unhappy but I kind of came uh, like when the film ended and you do the thing I was just like to me this is really weird I was talking to a woman about it at work because like it's hard to talk to people who haven't seen it it feels like a weirdly anti-abortion pro-choice film yeah and I was just like, this is, which I haven't, like, I didn't read too many reviews. I don't know if lots of people are talking about it. Like, it kind of came out in the no, time. No, no one, because I, I had the same thing of like. Yeah, it kind of came out when the Trump kind of thing was going down and everybody took the message that we need to talk to everybody and love everybody and be really friendly. Yeah, as a pro-life, sorry, yeah. to swing down. Yeah, I, uh-huh. Did you say pro-life? Uh, anti-abortion, pro-life, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. And you're kind and it's kind of like. Uh, yeah, because she ultimately makes this decision. Yeah, even. To have a child. Child, even, even knowing. That the child will die at the age of 10 yeah. or 12. Yeah. And you're just like. No one seems to have a problem with this apart from you and I. Yeah, and I was just like, this is really weird. And the whole thing is just like all women want to do is have children because like she was even like, yeah, I know this is going to. So I'm just going to do it. Mm. And the thing at the start where she was really sad and lonely, it's not because she, you know, lost a child. It's because she she didn't have one or didn't have a relationship or something. So Mm. at the end, I was just like, this is a bit bonkers. Yeah, I I didn't have a problem with that. I read it a bit like that, too. And she's a lot. I wouldn't say that's all she wanted. Yeah, Yeah, there is a slight. That was my my issue. That was final moments in the film and some of the like some of the dialogue is very silly as in you know do you want to make a baby sure yeah who says that who says that <laughs> yeah. you know yeah. so but no I the other bits didn't bother me in terms of it's how it's coming down it just I did question it a little bit um, in terms of it's and I don't know I don't know anything about the background we should probably look that up and see if anyone has picked mm. up on the visuals look amazing like the scene it's, it's very cool at the start when they go to meet uh, the aliens they do this cool like 
switch perspective thing that happens and you're like oh that's kind of cool with, um, with gravity on mm, the, the planes yeah and yeah and it's i said in in montana which is a a state that we pay no attention to it was funny because i was looking up like actors and actors in the imdb thing because you want to get it and uh it's funny if you ever read the reviews because it's like you've got these amazing like 10 star reviews uh and i always remember someone from the like uh studio probably wrote that and then you've hilarious one star reviews that you should read if you're on imdb scroll down and there's one that's hilarious i was just like this was the most boring film ever and it was a snooze fest and then they just say all these things and i was like it's absolute nonsense like it's not a terrible film but it's very funny the way they've written it yeah like they're um, saying it, like it, it, why did they go with symbols and stuff why didn't they do light and sound like close encounters is the third kind and I was like, mm, whatever. yeah i i really really did like it loved it and would again happily watch it again as part of an amy double bill i think i might have preferred it to nocturnal animals at the time but then i wonder in five years which one i'll sort of go back to i think and there's not like as a central story it doesn't feel very original like we've probably seen this idea of people coming from mm-hmm. uh to help to work with ireland like positive alien presences yeah. but it did feel like a good nice film like it came out on the friday we had like a new f- president of america on the wednesday morning and this film kind of promotes inclusivity and mm. um international relations and stuff so it's kind of like a friend made the point it's the film like christopher nolan kind of wanted to make with interstellar, interstellar yeah and you got that but to me as well some of it doesn't make sense and i was just like oh it's just nonsense Chi- thing sorts timelines when she goes to the chinese, chinese guy like, and i was just like this is you yeah know. i think anything with any temporal disturbances you sort of just give them like it's I hate when sci-fi tries to explain stuff too much because it just makes it more obvious at how stupid it all is. So do you remember in Patterson where he said in one of his poems is about discovering the fourth? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The fourth plane, is it? Fourth dimension time. Fourth dimension. So <laughs> yeah. maybe Patterson is all... Uh, I'm telling you, that film is deeper than we think. But um, I think you have to see... Anyone who hasn't seen Arrival should definitely check it out because it is the one that's But if you were going to see Nocturnal Animals or Arrival for me, go see Nocturnal Animals. Uh, yeah I suppose it depends who I would I th- I say see yeah, both it, of them it depend- avoid all the other crap that we've yeah. did it out with so I guess the last thing uh, we'll just quickly talk about um, a bit of a, men- a quick mention for an online only selection here something that you're not going to see in cinemas uh, the director of Selma Ava DuVernay has uh, a documentary which came out on October first week of October I think on Netflix called 13th which is about the 13th amendment to the American Constitution, um, which I guess it it uh, made sort of it abolished slavery. Abolished, sorry, yeah. I knew that was the word. But abolished it has a lovely slavery. wee line. Yeah, um, but the, the argument that uh, Duvernay is making with the documentary is that in reality, the new version of slavery became incarceration. So by putting uh, young black men in the prisons in the last fifty years, really, it's the it's the new sort of civil rights abuse because by doing that. Um, they get this mark beside their name that means they can't really get a job, probably can't, couldn't get um, rent. You can't vote. Rent. You definitely... See, the big argument, and I didn't... This never even clicked with me. You can't vote. And so you have, like, this phenomenal statistics. I didn't write down any of them, but in certain states, like maybe Georgia, what, one-eighth of all men are, are forbidden from voting? And, and you'd like fancy person, them to be yeah. sort of Democrat-leaning mm. people... And there's some great kind of talking heads in it and he makes the point of like we had Martin Luther King and we had Malcolm X and we were fighting back so how do you destruct that it was just like you lock all our figures up or you assassinate them and then we're totally leaderless like we're bunch basically just a bunch of children 
and women who are then forced to look after the children who because all of them you know the other support unit is it locked up in jail yeah. so then you've got no one to really fight for anymore you know and yeah. they've been totally ghettoized in the same area yeah it's um, a phenomenal i might take a little bit of a clip this is my this sort of blew my mind because again i saw this the day before the American election or maybe a couple of days after. But again, this is a little sequence of Donald Trump's speeches cut with footage. Again, you can find it if you just search for Donald Trump 13th uh, film, um, you will be able to watch this. But here's a little clip of it that sort of shows that. In the good old days, this doesn't happen because they used to treat them very, very rough. And when they protested once, you know, they would not do it again so easily. I'd like to punch him in the face, I'll tell you. I love the old days. You know what they used to do to guys like that when they were in a place like this? They'd be carried out on a stretcher, folks. That's true. Knocking hell out of that big well. The next time we see him, we might have to kill him. In the good old days, they'd rip him out of that seat so fast. Um, amazing bit of editing and everything there. And that man is now in charge of everything. Yeah, that that was scary. When that comes up, you're just like, Jesus. And this then comes out and, it, you know, Hillary is in it and she's by no means portrayed as a hero, but no. she certainly comes across as the... And she has shown a lot of remorse for the, what Bill Clinton backed in the 90s, which actually ended up locking up. A lot so of many more. Men, he kind of brought in mandatory sentencing and three yeah. strike rule, and then the like and she, armification, which isn't a word, of the police yeah. force. So yeah. like everywhere is a SWAT team, you know. Yeah. And he has kind of come since and said that, you know. Yeah, and they've shown remorse on that, so at least that's progress. And you know, but even the clips of her saying "Black Lives Matter," mm. you feel does she actually think that was that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a fascinating documentary. Well, we're seeing. And yeah. it's on Netflix. I think it got a limited release in London. Maybe Just probably yeah, it'll probably get a cinema thing that qualifies mm. it for, for ba- awards, after Oscars, or and all that. But yeah. it's yeah, it's in contention for for big awards, which is kind of great for a thing. And last week or no, last month, what was the Netflix one we were talking? The Into the Void, Into the Void. Yeah, wasn't that the one? Yeah, the volcanoes. We're getting, one, like, we're getting one a month. Into the Inferno. Into the Inferno. Sorry. Uh, excellent day. So um, I suppose movie moment of the month, I'll just quickly mention um, mine, which was fan- a little bit from Fantastic Beasts and where to find them. Is this something you're going to go and see? Can I ruin it? Oh, I've seen it. We oh, have seen it. Yeah, cool. sorry. So again, another spoiler here. Yeah. So my favorite bit is the bit at the end where, do, 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 again, switch off, please. If you're blah, 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 30 seconds. Uh, Colin Farrell morphs into Johnny Depp. And it really just got me thinking of the Terry Gilliam film, The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus, where mm. Heath Ledger died. And he, his part had to be played by Colin Farrell, Johnny Depp and Jude Law. Mm. And I was like, oh, that was good. No, I, I generally that. mouth open because I was just like, what? Yeah. Um, so apparently he's some character that's going to be in more of these. When Colin Farrell got the thing, I was like, oh, good man, Carl, Colin, you've got like, because they've kind of said five films there. And then the end is like, oh, no, you're just in the first one because, you know, you're not really you anymore. So yeah, unless he morphs back into him at some point. Yeah. Um, the it's film, so unusual as well to see Johnny Depp like with dyed hair and dressed up and stuff. Isn't yeah, it? yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like, he's going to be such a mm, visceral, real guy. Um, Did you yeah, like just on the... It's good enough. Uh, to me, like with all J.K. Rowling books and films and everything, she creates a fantastic world. Her characters are very two-dimensional and like I kind of hate Harry Redman. Eddie Redman, Eddie yeah. Redman. He's just kind of like this bumbling like and like no do mind, didn't do you mind if I could yeah. yeah and like there's no 
devastating the characters they try and work in a love story that's like literally 10 seconds on screen like the previous like this is why he's all sad and morose Mm. and you're like no this is stupid I thought it was about Harry Potter's mum and dad I didn't know anything about it no I think um, there's nothing to do with anything yeah anyone I thought the baker and the blondie uh, woman might be his folks oh yeah okay yeah (laughs) and like they do this fake faux like sad ending but then it's like it all ends happily ever after anyway the creatures in it are brilliant they're really cool and like 1920s 1930s New York always looks great yeah yeah there was a weird thing though with Colin Farrell's character and um the actor from Perks of Being a Wallflower and we need to talk about Kevin where Mm -hmm. there was almost like some kind of like grooming thing going on there uh, a weird gay angle maybe yeah yeah, yeah I did we were just like this is a bit dark yeah but it didn't turn into anything ultimately and you kind of could see that coming a mile away what happened with that character you were like well that's clearly going to mm. be that anyway movie when, moments um, I'm trying to rack my brain um, maybe something from Patterson the, actually yeah there's a scene I, well, I won't talk about it much there's a scene in Patterson because you don't really know Adam Driver's feelings towards the dog but there's just a like you kind of think he doesn't like him there's, there's this bit that happens and he just t- really dryly kind of says I don't like you and I thought <laughs> it was hilarious yeah so that kind of stuck with me cool <clears throat> uh, going forward into December there's a small film out in uh, two weeks time Star Wars Rogue One or Rogue One a Star Wars story so That'll be Star Wars. interesting. Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. I think back on the amount of hype we had a year ago. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to this, though, because it's yeah. not caught up in all the bullshit. Yeah, I'm going to see it on the the evening, but I had bought a ticket for the IMAX thing, and then I realised that the Foil Arms and Hog gig that I'm going to is on that night, so I've now refunded that, and I'm going to go a little earlier in the day. Oh, OK. Just in case anyone's interested in... They have the viewing habits but looking forward to it we will review it in our final podcast of 2016 with Which our end of year stuff yeah, we kind of did that last year didn't we with, yeah. we had the Star like Wars here's a Star stuff. Wars review and then our yeah. best films of the year yeah. last time again Peter mm. Bradshaw put up his films of the year on uh, it's Guardian getting, you're like come on it's like Christmas get, trees maybe in fairness to him he has actually seen everything in some sort of preview probably way, yeah bit of nonsense I mean, keep it in your pants Peter mm. uh, so my f- pick for the film uh, of December is The Birth of a Nation and it's coming out on the 9th of December um, and it's kind of about an enslaved African American in 1831 he led a short lived slave rebellion in Virginia and obviously it's kind of having the plan it ties into 13th because 13th touch on Birth of a Nation Birth of a Nation which was directed by Cecil B. DeMille and really racist kind of glorified the Ku Klux Klan and ultimately which is a really fascinating thing when you watch the documentary 13th caused a massive resurgence of the Ku Klux Klan and portrayed this image of the black man as you know the scary kind of monster who's just going to come and terrorise your neighbourhood so it's kind of a play on that they're calling it the birth of a nation but it's focusing on an African American it's getting really great reviews got into a bit of controversy because I think there's allegations about the director or somebody involved with the film. Yeah, Nate Parker, I think, is um, yeah, but, mm. questions over, and he won't admit so and blah blah blah. And yeah, I don't. Who cares? It's a pity, but because when it came out of was it Sundance and it yeah. got like the f- biggest ever buyout yeah. from there or purchase deal whatever, and then all of a sudden people dig in and like who knows? A lot of that is probably fueled by people who have weird vested, vested yeah. race issues. Um, mm. So you feel bad about that but mm. obviously we don't know the Let's full go story see the so. Yeah. so it's opening on December 9th yeah 
Um, and then very lastly as well coming up um, we were saying the the Christmassy stuff that you've got to go and see so uh, I don't know the IFI is a little bit quiet this year they've got It's a Wonderful Life uh, which I think it's just got like it's out all week or whatever from mm. December 16th and then Scrooge the uh, 1951 Scrooge not is there a big classic. Christmas film that you've never seen I hadn't seen It's a Wonderful Life for a couple of years until a oh, couple yeah, of years ago yeah um, what should I watch I am always fascinated by the American one what's it called The Christmas Story the one that everyone kind of talks about oh but that's big in America but yeah, like nowhere else and it has no else, presence really. here yeah. so it strikes me as being something a bit like the toy show or something where it's a real localisation version but, yeah um, I've never seen the, that Scrooge oh that's a very good one yeah uh, so I've never seen either of the Merkel and 34th Streets what? So I'm, I'm I think I'll probably check yeah. those out. And um, the lighthouse, as mentioned earlier, has a naughty or nice kind of see- series. So they've got a lot of uh, films just playing maybe once or twice. So it's kind of worth checking out their light their the lighthouse cinema dot ie website. So um, Elf, oh. there's no real surprises in there. One of no. our favorites, the Polar Express, Robert Zemeckis, very underrated. Um, Go see the apartment on New Year's Eve. I love that film. It's a brilliant film. Yeah. Why? I suppose yeah it's not really part of the naughty it's just a New Year's Eve thing New Year's Eve the, yeah. the best one I think that they have in there is Jingle All The Way with uh, Arnold look for Tubbo Man Tubbo Man and Troy McClure is in that as his neighbour oh, yeah. his wife shot him and herself dark that's um, how that ended so that's it so um, I suppose from a scene it I'm actually going to take a little bit of Arnold Schwarzenegger's Jingle All The Way um, yeah here it is Turbo Man uh, and we'll be back in a couple of weeks with our end of year roundup and Best films ever. Star Wars chat and so on and so forth. Oh um, yeah, so if you have, start sending us in your lists if you yeah. know if you are like uh, Peter Bradshaw and know your top 10 films of the year. Yeah, most people haven't seen everything but maybe they have. And Peter, you're welcome if you're listening to uh, to send an alternative list. Cool. Bye. Oh, excuse me. Yes? I'm trying to find a German doll. Me too, me too. Do you have any more in the back? <laughs> What? I see that. What did I say? These guys are looking for a turbo man? A German <laughs> dog, yes. <laughs> They're looking for turbo man. <laughs> hey, everybody, these two are looking for a turbo man. Turbo <laughs> man. Now, what's so funny? Where have you guys been? Turbo Man's only the hottest selling Christmas toy ever. <laughs> Do you know what? We got plenty of Turbo Man's faithful saber tooth tiger booster. <laughs> I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the show?